Hello, and welcome to the Sisters of the Holy Names Women on a Mission podcast. My name is Sister Mimi Maloney, and I live in Santa Cruz, California. And I would like my co-host to now introduce herself. Hello, my name is Sister Teresa Shields, and I'm so glad to be able to help co-host the wonderful Sisters of the Holy Names Women on a Mission series of podcasts. We will be interviewing sisters from the United States and Canada, showcasing the wonderful adventures that they have been involved in in ministry. We're very excited and we hope that you will like it and come back the next week. Before we begin, I'd like to start with a prayer that was written to in honor of our foundress, Mother Marie Rose de Roche, on the occasion of her beatification. Blessed Marie Rose de Roche, obtain for us today the audacity of faith, the simplicity of hope, the power of love, that we may actualize the word of Jesus. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and would that it were already kindled. Amen. Our guests today are Sister Mary Ellen Robinson and Sister Linda Riggers, both of whom spent several weeks in May in Texas volunteering to support asylum seekers coming into the country. Welcome, Linda and Mary Ellen. We are delighted to have you and to hear about how you cast fire among the asylum seekers and the volunteers in Texas um, in May. So tell us, maybe beginning with you, Mary Ellen, where exactly did you go and what prompted this service? Well, we had the opportunity to go to San Antonio and then to Laredo. And this is a wonderful gift of belonging a big belonging. The invitation came through the leadership of Catholic Sisters, LCWR, from Catholic Charities, National Catholic Charities, because there was flood of need at the border between Mexico and the United States. And the Catholic Charities had the hope that sisters would be able to respond quickly and um, and get there and uh, be able to contribute well to responding to the needs. So the invitation was a a kind of a big invitation, which I live and work among immigrants in Wapato, Washington, a a small rural area in Eastern Washington state. And I knew already that I wanted to be a part of this gift of being able to welcome our brothers and sisters who are crossing the border uh, with their hopes and their needs. I'm gonna ask Linda if she could share, add to that what she wants and share a little bit about uh, our first stop, San Antonio. I um, uh, was wondering in my mind why sisters were particularly invited at this time when when the need for uh, asylum seekers and help with asylum seekers was ramping up so quickly. And I think it had to do something a little bit with our lifestyle that we are able to respond fairly quickly to a need like this, whereas other people uh, might need, might be very interested and able to do it a little more slowly 
but have things, either kids or houses or things like that, that they need to take care of at home. So I, I don't know whether that's why sisters were asked, but it was uh, something that I thought might be a possibility. And I thought we also have the resources of our community to uh, help get us there. So I really appreciated my status as a sister to be able to respond to something that came up suddenly. And then um, uh, the other thing that I wanted to say is uh, when the appeal came, I live with you, Teresa, uh, in Seattle, and you responded that very day. And I thought, well, this is out of my comfort zone. I'm not really sure I speak enough Spanish to do this. I'm not sure I can do this. But seeing how quickly and easily you just started emailing right away to see how you could help kind of, I, I almost would say shamed me into thinking of, of doing it myself, but it did get me going. I wanted to do it, but I needed that kind of witness and um, freedom. And then when I contacted Mary Ellen to see if she was thinking of going, then that, then we could keep each other going along the way. So, and, and yes, Teresa, would you, uh, and Mimi, would you want me to just describe a little bit about uh, the first place we went? Yes, that would be great. And thank you for including me in your reason for going, because I have very poor impulse control. So right away when I saw the invitation, I thought, I'm retired and the community is asking us to do this. So, yes. And I'm so glad that you followed up with that. So, yes, Linda, tell us about. Yeah, but can I jump the, in here, too? Because yes. that that encouragement of one another from the very beginning, from the invitation coming out from LCWR and Catholic Charities, Teresa's example, we had been invited maybe about a year and a half ago, and I had been unable to go. This time I really wanted to, but it wasn't until Linda invited me and suggested we could go as partners. I speak Spanish. She does not. Uh, we would be a good team, and I knew we would be. That, as Linda said, that said it then then we really could make the decision and go for it and we Good. were kind of committed and kept each other going forward on it even when we uh, met some bumps in the roads in terms of contacting people and locating the right place. So that was good. And the right place for us the first time was the Freeman Coliseum. It was a mass shelter for unaccompanied minors and it was in San Antonio. And I'd like you to just kind of imagine what it would be like to walk into one of the exhibition halls, you know, these huge cavernous rooms that are next to the Coliseum where the San Antonio Spurs play. And they were filled li with lines of cots, 900 white cots in a row. They were um, sectioned off in groups of 30, which were called pods, by this masking tape on the floor. And on these cots or standing nearby were 900 young men, ages 12 to 17 unaccompanied minors who were waiting for the caseworkers to find either a family member or a, um, relative, a parent, family member, friend, or uh, in some cases, uh, simply a sponsor who would be able to take them and help them, support them during the time that they would be waiting for whatever kind of asylum might be possible for them. And that usually is a several year long process. So it could have been a place that was kind of um, uh, grim. The caseworkers were working really hard so, uh, to vet the people 
that would be receiving these young men to be sure that they would not be trafficked or uh, go into some kind of indentured servanthood. So it meant that they were there for several months often before these the arrangements would be made and they could be moved on. And they couldn't leave that facility at all during that time. So you can imagine that many young men and there were another 900 in the uh, room right adjacent. So there were 1800 young men. And um, so what we did was simply to help out, uh, engage with these young men, help their time be more pleasant. The room itself was like a busy beehive of activity. We could interact with them by playing cards, teaching origami. Uh, what were some of the other things we did, Mary Ellen? Um, yes, a, a little bit of inviting them to English, uh, mm-hmm. you know, learning a few words in English. We, they loved doing crafts. So sometimes they were just asking us for more materials for the crafts they were already doing. Mm-hmm. We could replace the um, pod leaders so they could have a break or mm-hmm. just lighten the load so that uh-huh. it wasn't so rigid. You didn't have to, uh, even though kids were needed to be lined up to go to meals, to go to showers, to you know, go outside in an enclosed area for a soccer game, perhaps. There was music playing and It was a light spirit of welcome and enjoyment, what I, as a former teacher, call sort of indoor recess supervision time. So So that's... I love what what Linda does, asking, imagine this, this room filled with cots and a young man. Boys, you know, many of these 12 and 13 are little uh, Mm. boys and occupying themselves uh, a lot with crafts, getting to know each other. And I, Linda, every once in a while, there's a boy that was completely cocooned in his cot. How could they get any time alone? Only by wrapping themselves up completely in their blankets and just uh, being there inside their self-made cocoon. I was also struck that uh, they never, I don't know that they saw a tree during the time that they were in. And these were mostly boys from rural areas, very connected. You could see from the art they did that they were very connected to the earth and their homeland. And here they were contained in these two dormitories, but we were making them as pleasant as as we could manage. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, some of the boys were placed uh, as we were there. So the numbers began to get smaller and smaller and smaller because there was a time limit on the amount of time that a mass shelter could be at the Coliseum there. And so we um, we decided after a couple of weeks that not as many volunteers were needed there. So we explored another place. And Mary Ellen, maybe you could pick up and uh, talk about the other place we went. Linda, Sister Linda, is a passionate user of public transportation whenever possible. So we were using public transportation, and we now boarded the Greyhound bus, not public transportation, but that's what was available, to go south to Laredo, which is right on the border. And there we were volunteering at what I would consider a reception center, building and program sponsored again, sponsored by Catholic Charities, uh, where the People who had been uh, had crossed the border, had gotten their papers about their court dates and that they were seeking asylum, were ready to uh, unite with the family members or friends here in the United States, and they needed transition time. So Border Patrol, other officials would bring 
busloads of people to this transition center where they would be given the help for the next stage of their journey and time to uh, get a change of clothes, take a shower, stay overnight if they needed to, have the meals they needed, a respite place. We were staying at a hotel called Posada right along the border. So we were able to watch the ordinary hum and flow of border traffic, which is significant. Laredo is the third largest border crossing in between the United States and Mexico. And then uh, we would be at the center receiving especially young mothers and their very small children, their toddlers, some dads, some couples, parents with children on their journey to a new life in the United States. Yeah, and there, it seemed to me that the volunteers, the, it was very, uh, the staff was very minimal and really all they could do was test for COVID and uh, then help uh, make the travel arrangements, help the asylum seekers get make the arrangements that they needed to get to their next place with the aim of really being on their way within 24 hours. So the volunteers there just did whatever else needed to be done, helped with uh, find, look and see what was on hand for meals and serve it, uh, get it out to the asylum seekers. Could be anywhere from 20 to 120 people that would be dropped off in a day and then uh, help get the clothing out, uh, get diapers to those that needed it, pass out shower packs things like this, that made that place, as Mary Ellen said, more a welcome center than a processing center, you know, just, okay, here it is, where do you need to go next? So it didn't have the feel of an airline counter getting onto your next thing. It had a feel of real welcome. So we're doing all this in COVID time. And though, you know, we had all had our uh, vaccinations Um, Still, the people had to be tested for COVID. They were asked to stay outside as much as possible. A table had been set up where they could plug in their phones and see the phone numbers that they needed to uh, communicate to their relatives for setting up their transportation plans. For the most part, the people were coming with simply the clothes on their back. Even their shoelaces had been taken away from them, the men's belts. Um, They were coming with their lives and their hopes. Thank you so much, uh, Linda and Mary Ellen. How so interesting and it gives us a real feel for what you experienced. So what wonderful work you and all Mm -hmm. of the other volunteers and staff are doing. Just by way of a a kind of a summing up, I'd like to ask you, what are some of your reflections about your experience? And maybe Linda, you could begin this one. Okay. Yeah. One of the reflections that I had was just on the meaning of sisterhood. We There were sisters from several different communities that just merged there. And, you know, it was like they were our sisters. We, we shared the same kind of passion, the same kind of interest in being helpful. It was so much fun to interact with them. And there were also some associates of communities and also other volunteers that were not sisters, but it was a coming together for a purpose and recognizing ourselves and our religious charism in each other. That was really delightful. So that was one thing that stood out for me. Mary Ellen, how about you? 
when we were at the Coliseum with the boys, um, one of the sisters talked about how we see what we're looking for and how people whose job is border patrol or police or borderland security, they're looking for troublemakers, they're looking for lawbreakers, whatever. But we, especially those of us who are teachers, we're looking at children, we're looking for potential, we're looking for hope, we're looking for places to help them grow. And it was, it just struck me so important that there be this variety of ways of seeing the people who are seeking asylum in the United States. I was so grateful to be among the people that can see these newcomers with all their potential. It reminded me, um, Mary Ellen, that uh, one of the things we did in San Antonio particularly was ride the city bus, in, uh, and it was about a 45-minute ride with a transfer to get out to the Coliseum from where we were staying with another group of sisters. And I uh, sort of had a stereotype before I came to Texas of what Texans were like. I hope not too many Texans are listening to this podcast, but, um, <laughs> and it wasn't, you know, real, real positive. But what I experienced was a real enthusiasm uh, and support of our working at the Coliseum from the people that we interacted with on the bus, as well as a real friendliness and welcome and just caring concern. So, uh, that was when you say we see what we look for. It also is that some, sometimes we see something that we didn't expect to see. And, mm-hmm. and I was glad to have seen that. But I also wanted to say right before I went, I had read um, a book or a part of a book by Margaret Wheatley in which she talked about islands of sanity. And I was really stuck struck with that when I went to Texas because the immigration situation is so overwhelming and it just feels like there really is no fix for the dysfunction of that system. And yet uh, she talks about when we are confronted with something so overwhelming, such as the immigration situation, such as the environment where it just really looks like there we ha- are powerless in the flow of how our culture and world is going, that what we can do and, and sustain our hope is to create islands of sanity, to act in our local place to make something the way we would like to see it happen worldwide. And so that was one of the things that was affirmed for me by this experience. Mm. That's, that's powerful. Thank you, Linda and Mel. Mm-hmm. And I just want to ask you, when you came back, Linda and Mel, we were having a discussion around the kitchen table. And I asked you, what do you want the world to know mm-hmm. about your experience? Mm-hmm. And can you remember what you told me at that time? Because it was so powerful. It struck me so much um, of what you said. You know, we met our brothers and sisters. I think it is part of our privileges, sisters, that we are inclined to see one another. But these are our sisters and their children, our brothers and their children. And they're a gift to us. And they're, we're, we're family members. And so to have this month of the opportunity to really welcome them, receive them well, treat them the way we want to be toward our brothers and sisters. And I just 
wish that all of us here in the United States could see one another that way as the one family that we are and that how are we going to work together to live this family reality well. Yes. And I think you also said something about as you sent them off to where they were going to be received, your hope was... Keep going. (laughs) Your hope was that whatever diocese they were received in, they would get the same care and love that they received down in Laredo and San Antonio. I thought that was very powerful. Yes. And actually, that was me quoting Rebecca Oyoa, the director of the um, uh, reception center, the Posada, the shelter in um, Laredo. She was going, she was preparing to address the bishops of Latin America and particular, well, I think particularly the high receiving states. And that was her question. Uh, How are we going to receive these newcomers into our respective dioceses. Good, good. Thank you. I want to, you know, when we, we find what we're looking for, to me, when Jesus says, seek and you shall find, um, there's a, just an underlying human truth that we do tend to find what we look for, but not always. And so Linda gave such a good example of when we were, well, when we were looking for help, our first day of taking the bus, the people that were waiting for the bus were street people. And um, maybe one would have thought that one looked like a gang member. And But we needed help and we asked them for help. And they were so surprised. And we had a very wonderful conversation. They were very generous with us. We couldn't have had better guides. Who knows the public transportation better than street people do? Right. and they shared with us that when they saw us, two older women coming to the bus stop where they were, he had said to her, they won't even talk to us. They'll be afraid. But we weren't afraid. And a whole world opened up to us uh, because we didn't have to be afraid. And we were looking for help and we found it. And on the other hand, we did have, I too had stereotypes of Texans and that got royally broken. And I am so grateful uh, to have. Good. Yeah. Great. What would you say would be um, a follow-up for us as Holy Name Sisters? What do you think we should do now to follow up with our visits to the border? I know this wasn't in the outline, Linda, sorry. You know, but uh, (laughs) I think because we are dispersed among various dioceses that are receiving uh, newcomers to participate in that welcoming activity as best we can to really collaborate with our diocesan people and leaders and resources to make sure that the immigrants who come into our diocese, into our area, are well received. And to help to any extent, because a lot of fear has been sown around the people who are crossing the border, to uh, help people let go of their, the misperceptions that are causing them to be afraid. Right. Good. Yeah. I would simply second that for myself personally. It, it was a realization that there is work with asylum seekers to be done here in the North in Seattle, as well as at the border. And so it is an encouragement to me as we move out of COVID and some opportunities begin to open up again to pursue those. And also, as Mary Ellen says, spread the word that this was a good experience and to help 
others see asylum seekers as individual persons with their and share some of their stories. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you both. I think another thing, it really brings home how law affects our lives, our personal lives. So the asylum seekers are operating within a legal system. Um, they will be called to appear before a court. They will be asked to present their case. And I happened to learn from some lawyers who were there helping a different group of asylum seekers, not the ones that we were working directly with, that having a lawyer makes an enormous difference in the outcome of those cases. And so those who have those gifts or those inclinations to be paying attention to the ways that laws are favoring people successfully gaining asylum from dangerous and life-threatening situations in other countries and looking at our whole legal system and how we promote and protect uh, human life and human rights. Good. And that calls for a lot of systemic change and a lot of work for all of us. Thank you so much to both of you. It's really been enlightening to us, and I know it will be enlightening for the people that listen to the podcast, Holy Name Sisters, Women on a Mission. Thank you so Thank much. You, Mary Ellen Thank and you, Mary Ellen. Thank you, too. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.